Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, and it is Can Week, the Can Lions, the biggest uh, festival in advertising. We're recording this uh, right before uh, a bunch of us head out to the south of France uh, for the Lions. And so we just wanted to kind of gather some folks together from the Adweek team who will be on the ground at Cannes. Uh, I believe uh, it's a whole room full of uh, first-timers, too. So that'll be a lot of fun to hear what you what you all expect from it, what you're excited about, and then regroup afterward and see <laughs> see how it went for everybody. Uh, I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor here at Adweek. Also got back our co-host and social media editor for Adweek, Kamiko McCoy. Kamiko, always a pleasure to have you. Hi, happy to be here as always. And uh, we've got Chris Ahrens, uh, who, Chris, remind me of your relatively new ish title Director of Visuals. Man, that's All so cool. All the visuals. Chris has played many roles at Adweek and uh, Media Bistro before that, which uh, Adweek acquired a while back and uh, kind of merged into a bunch of, of Adweek's content. And since then, Chris and I have worked together for quite, quite a number of years and now oversees our video and a lot of our visual design and, and stuff. So uh, great to have you on the ground at Cannes because it is a visual place. It is indeed. <laughs> it is, if nothing else, it is a wonderful backdrop for just about every everything you could possibly want to film, photograph, uh, do there. Uh, we've also got back uh, Diana Pearl, a uh, staff writer covering the uh, the brand marketing industry. Diana, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, are you pretty pumped about Cannes? Th- thank you. I'm excited to be here and I'm very excited about going to Cannes. Nice. Well, we will get into it. Uh, and uh, today, yeah, we're just going to be talking about what we expect, a few predictions so that you all can see uh, how we do uh, on, uh, you know, we'll be posting the results to the awards and, uh, of course, presentations, talking, uh, all the all the big exciting stuff that happens over the week. We'll be posting all that on adweek.com and on our social channels, which Kamiko uh, runs. And uh, but uh, so, yeah, for the goal today is just to kind of say what we're expecting and see what happens. So let's get to it. 
So uh, let's let's talk first about themes, just kind of big picture things we're, we're noticing. Um, I will say last year uh, was maybe my fourth or fifth can, and this this past year was the year that Publicis, the, the, the holding company, a rather large holding company in advertising, which means it owns quite a few major agencies, they sat out uh, the entire year at Cannes as a budgetary consideration, basically. They said they were going to take a year off of awards altogether, and, um, but especially Cannes. And they had no official presence. Uh, that said, their clients did end up uh, ponying up quite a bit of money to uh, to enter some of the major campaigns, like uh, It's a Tide ad, which ended up winning uh, a, a Grand Prix, uh, and a lot of the other work from Publicis did very well. Uh, but the clients footed the bill uh, for that, so it wasn't Publicis entering. They're back this year, but they say that their goal is to, um, to basically – keep it at that same level. Uh, their entries were down 50% last year uh, because meaning that, you know, their clients were covering the difference in the other 50 and they want to keep it there. They want to keep it at that level. Uh, so last year, the big thing I noticed was it was quiet. Like you took away, <laughs> took away Publicis, you took away a bunch of other agencies that kind of use that as an excuse to also scale back their presence at can And, uh, you know, the, the attendance was down quite a bit. It was just noticeable. It was just very roomy, which is good and bad, <laughs> you know, bad if you're, if you're can and you want it to be a, a huge thriving event. Uh, this year, Publicis says they will kind of keep it at the same level. Um, they're, they want to try to stay there, but they're doing a lot more at the festival. And I do think we'll see an uptick uh, generally. And a lot more marketers are coming in. Diana, I know this is going to be your first can, but it, it does feel like marketers are like more excited. They used to kind of look down their nose at can as like a boondoggle and a, you know, agencies just kind of blowing their money to go win some awards. But brands turn out in force for this. And do, I mean, do they seem like earnestly kind of excited about the about the festival and about the awards? Yeah, I mean, if my inbox is any indication, they are very excited. Um, I feel <laughs> like I've, you know, heard of so many brands that are attending and, you know, not just, uh, you know, not just members of the marketing team, but their CMOs and and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I'm meeting with people from everything from from Visa to P&G to Pandora to, um, you know, Tiffany & Co. So it's really like running the gamut. Um, and I definitely think that brands seem to have a really strong, will be having a really strong presence at Cannes this year. And um, they seem excited about it. And I feel like even when you look at the schedule of, um, you know, talks in the, the Palais and the panels, um, a lot of them are led by brands, I'd say almost even more so than than agencies. Yeah, that's a good point. The presentations used to be really overwhelmingly agency people, and then maybe they would bring a celebrity, you know, like mm -hmm. Gray, will, Gray will bring Marilyn Manson or whoever in. Um, and that still happens. But I do feel like the panels are way more brand heavy uh, than they used to be. And Heck, maybe that'll actually get people to go to a lot of these sessions. Like my big complaint with Can, and this has, you know, this is no shade on Can itself. Uh, the programming's really good. You know, you've got people from all over the world there to talk about these major issues like gender balance and marketing, and and the way that you know both on the how it's made and how you know the content that comes out of it. Uh, and diversity initiatives, but then you've also got just how emerging tech is being used in marketing. And, uh, you know, these are all amazing topics, but like no one turns out for these things. <laughs> like, I, I mean, not to say no one, but I go to it, it's always like pretty small crowds if there's no celebrity. Uh, and the people who probably should be there, especially on things like gender balance and diversity, are not there. Like the, the executives, you know, the top level people who can really make a change. Instead, it's like the HR people and the recruiters and the people who already believe in these issues. Uh, so I think having brands, more brands on stage will help uh, will help do that. And it does seem, Diana, like brands are really involved in this kind of 
more cause centric discussions and bigger picture than just like how to make money selling stuff. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, th- I feel like there'll be a lot of discussion um, within, you know, about brands and what brands are doing. Um, and I think, you know, it does sort of speak to the fact that, yeah, this is becoming a, an event, not just for agencies, but really a gathering place for um, brand marketers as well. Now, Chris, Aaron's, uh, we've got a lot of media folks coming. You have mm-hmm. been covering the media industry for a very long time. Um, and so even though that's not, you know, you're not specifically a media writer anymore, I'm sure you've noticed uh, and probably are planning to be at some of this. But like when I say media, there's, there's you know, people in front of the camera who are going to be there. Maybe you can mention a few of those. Uh, but then there's also the, the network sales people. And I don't know, it just feels like there's a really big turnout of those folks this year. Do, do you have a sense of why? Um well, I think there's a greater bridge that's being created between the media and the advertising space. I think um, we've seen so much transformation just in the last six months in media. Uh, Time Warner is no longer Time Warner. It is now Warner Media, and it's owned by AT&T. Uh, Fox is no uh, – ABC is uh, – well, let's see. How did it work? Disney has acquired Fox, most of Fox, so that set up an entirely new advertising arrangement there. So Rita Farrell from ABC will be there. NBC is, I, th- I think, about tripled uh, its print in in Cannes this year compared to years past, and there are three top salespeople will be there, including Linda Yaccarina, who's chairman of Ad Sales Partnerships for NBC Universal, and Mark Marshall. And we're going to be talking with most of them. We're going to be talking with Mark Marshall. We're going to be talking with uh, Donna Special of Warner Media. We're going to be talking with Rita Farrow of ABC. So we're going to get a sense of why they're there. Uh, this is upfront season. Their 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 teams are back here selling the fall programming schedule as we speak. So I want to know why they can spend a week in Cannes and why it's important <laughs> for them to be there at this time of year. Uh, in yeah, terms of it's, it's, it's celebrity, uh, in front of the camera people, celebrities, Gail King, Katie Couric are among the, the names that I've read that, that will be there from the, from the news divisions. Yeah, the uh, it is fun to picture all these like teams working, you know, just toiling endlessly on up front, and so then be like, okay, guys, I gotta go. Right, right. <laughs> I gotta be at my cabana. Right, catch you. See you on the beach. Uh, Kamiko, let's talk about uh, some of the presenters, uh, some of the you know, celebrities who will be there, or just session topics. Anything that you are planning to make time to cover? It can be it can be hard to slip away to get to sessions, especially with how much stuff we do. Um, but are there any that you're excited to go to? Um, there are actually um, the one that was mentioned with Gail King. That's definitely one that I'm interested in. You know, that's a that's a, a woman that's in power that I've been um, admiring for a while. But outside of the sessions themselves, um, the brands and the activations. You know, being a social media editor, the brands and the activations that are going to be there that are creating these experiential and immersive um, events are, I think, probably what's most exciting for me um, to get that visual aspect and actually experience um, what a what a brand a publication um, and other people that are going to be at Cans are about. Yeah, the uh, Diana, any any sessions you're excited about attending? Yeah, yeah. On Monday, um, there's one with Tiffany & Co. Um, and Reed Krakow, the He's the creative director there. And I think that is going to be really interesting, um, just hearing about how they're kind of evolving the brand. Um, you know, I personally am interested in, you know, like the jewelry industry. So I think that will be really fascinating. And then um, there's one on Thursday all about Lego and sort of building. Um, it's called Building Brand Love with Purpose, Brick by Brick with Lego. Um, 
Um, and, you know, obviously Lego is a brand that so many people have this emotional connection to from childhood and, you know, really is this toy that, um, you know, is like productive, you know, and really I feel like gets kids to think. And, you know, when I think about Lego, though, I do think about like stepping on my little brother's Legos in my, my basement. But, um, you know, I'm curious. They just have such strong brand loyalty and love that I'm curious to see, you know, what they have to say about that from a marketing perspective. Yeah, Lego is such a leader in just things like advocating for women in STEM, right? Like mm-hmm. in these subtle ways where they've done multiple runs of uh, of women in science and they did an entire special collection of uh, NASA, women in NASA, mm-hmm. uh, which my mother was a NASA executive for 37 years. So I, uh, you know, it's very close to my heart. My mom actually knows one or two of the women that are mm-hmm. featured in the Lego sets, uh, you know, and seeing my kids put those together, we own all of them. You know, <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a thing with women in science, like we own them. And just seeing like how thrilled it makes my kids and how they want to know more about it. Like Lego's doing a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, beyond just selling $500 uh, Star Wars things at the mall, you know. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, Chris, any uh, sessions you're going to try to slip away to maybe outside of the media world, outside of your own, but just ones where you just want to see it, want to hear from somebody? You know, I'm still going through that. I know there's one that I'm, I'm definitely going to be covering, but it is media-related. Um, this is a new streaming service called Kibi or Quibi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's it's brand new, but it's got some very heavy hitters backing it. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, Meg, Meg Whitman, formerly of uh, HPE. Uh, Katzenberg, of course, of DreamWorks, uh, and Michael Kasson's going to for MediaLink is going to moderate that. That's going to be interesting because there's a lot of questions about what that streaming service is going to be. It's supposed to be mobile only, and we've, we're seeing no shortage of new streaming services. All the, and that's another thing I want to learn from from the broadcast sales folks is how they're going to be rolling that out. Some are ad supported, some are not. Um, when will this content finally slow down? I think the answer is never, as long as there's a demand for it and as long as people will pay a subscription price for a Netflix and a Prime and a Hulu and maybe a Disney Plus, it's not going to slow down. So um, so that's that's one that I'm looking forward to to covering. But in terms of you know what my, how my time is going to be spent at Cannes, and this is my first Cannes as well, uh, it's, it's shooting a lot of video. We're going to be doing a lot of these interviews with these um, – executives. And as Kamiko was mentioning, we're going to be hitting up all of the activations of Twitter and Pinterest and Google and, and Instagram, of course, which is which always does a really creative sort of visual experience. They bring in an artist. And so that's going to be a fun one. We're going to do that first thing uh, Monday morning. We're going to mm-hmm. head over there. So uh, or actually, if you're listening to this now, we you may already see it on adweek.com. Mm-hmm. So um, so, yeah, it, as you said, David, at the top of the podcast, it's it's a super visual backdrop. And so we really want to exploit that as much as we can. Well, it's also fascinating to see can is this kind of, um, you know, a little like slice of the current pop culture, the current uh, marketing world, uh, you know, in terms of the celebrities who were there, but also really the brands that are there. So there was a year, uh, maybe three years ago, where we arrived and Snapchat had built a Ferris wheel in the, and Cannes is a small town, like it's not a big place. And so they built a full-size Ferris wheel, a giant canary yellow (laughs) Snapchat Ferris wheel. And it was just like, What's up, y'all? <laughs> like mm-hmm. Snapchat's here, and uh, and ever you know, ever since then, we're kind of looking out for who. After that, like they just kind of went away. Like Snapchat really didn't come back. They're there, uh, but they don't make a big show of themselves as much anymore. Um, but each year, you kind of get a sense of like which brand is really heavily there. Facebook and Twitter are always pretty pretty visible. But this year, my prediction is Accenture. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be the year that like consultancies kind of battle each other. They battle the holding companies. They want to prove that they're that they're where the future is. They've been buying up. Accenture just bought uh, Droga Five, kind of the, one of the hottest ad agencies in the world. And uh, I just this is just my prediction uh, based you know somewhat on what we've heard about them, but also I just think we're going to get there. And just the word Accenture is going to be written in like you know, a hundred foot high letters across the side of some building. And so that's my, that's my kind of like odds on prediction of uh, what we'll see in terms of which companies are super visible. Uh, also, there's this yacht row kind of famously junkety, uh, you know, uh, row of all these overpriced yachts that people rent out and brand, uh, tradi- you know, a few, maybe 10 years ago, that was all uh, ad tech. Uh, that money kind of dried up. <laughs> Ad tech like fortunes have slowed down a little bit. And so th- these days it's actually kind of interesting. I think we'll see consultant boats. I think the consultancies will have more yachts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one's always just walking down that row. I try not to get on any yachts. I don't absolutely have to because they're kind of a uh, – it's just like it's like being held captive, you know, if you get on someone's <laughs> boat. Um, but uh, That's good to know because we'll be on Nielsen's on uh, – uh, when is that? Wednesday morning. Nielsen's got a yacht on Yacht Row. So um, Right. Uh, I'll Good call you 15 minutes after you get there. Appreciate and you that. Can, <laughs> that'll be your your chance to be like, oh, guys, I got <laughs> to go. go. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Back um, to a terrorist talk. Yeah, just send me proof of life every 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's just interesting just seeing who's got a boat and, uh, you know, who's spending money to, to be there. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the fun part. What's going to win? Uh, what kind of work's going to win these uh, all the big awards? There are many awards it can. And what, let's uh, we'll make some predictions back in just a moment. All right, we're back. We're ready to talk predictions for what's going to win at uh, the Cannes Lions this year. Uh, so just to kind of give a very quick lay of the land, the, the Lions, the trophy is the Lion. You can win multiple you know, levels of it. There's bronze, silver, gold, and then there is the Grand Prix. Uh, that, is, that means you were the best, uh, typically, in whatever category. Grand Prix in film, kind of one of the biggest. That means you had the best TV ad or long form ad uh, of the year. Uh, and then there's uh, – so pretty much every category has a Grand Prix. Some years they don't award one. They're just like, eh, nothing really deserved it. Uh, but then there's also a few other kind of fun awards to keep track of. Titanium. Uh, Titanium was created by Dan Wyden, largely the co-founder of Wyden and Kennedy. Uh, he really pushed for it because he felt that there needed to be an award that just recognized work that didn't fit into any category and was just kind of like – uh, just takes the industry in new places. And he's, I think he said something like, it makes you stop. It makes the whole industry kind of stop and be like, what is this? You know, what is this an ad? What is this? It's probably an ad, you know, but like, what what are they going to do with this? And so um, that titanium's become one of my, my favorite to keep track of. We've done a roundup. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, it's already live. You can go check out our site uh, for the, I believe, 20 shortlisted campaigns. Uh, very heavily U.S. It was like 11 of the 20 uh, were U.S. campaigns. And then number two was like three entries uh, from from the next country down. So very U.S. dominated this year. Um, but uh, Titanium, always fun. And then the rest, uh, you know, you've got ones for a lot of social cause stuff. you got the Glass Lion for gender balance and diversity. You've got the SDG Lions, which is awful name. It stands for Sustainable Development Goals, but it's ones for campaigns that help the U.N. reach their, their global goals around climate. 
uh, famine, you, you know, just of major world issues. Uh, so a lot, lot of different categories. So anyway, that's kind of the lay of the land. Uh, so when we talk about what's going to win big, we're generally talking about what's going to get a Grand Prix or at least what's going to get a bunch of golds. Because uh, every year there tends to be one campaign like Fearless Girl or uh, Dumb Ways to Die, uh, you know, that just kind of win everything. Uh, and so, yeah, it'll be fun to see which one those are. With that, uh, Diana, you want to kick us off? Do you have any thoughts on which campaigns are going to uh, to win, maybe even in multiple categories? Yeah, I definitely think we'll see uh, the Nike um, Dream Crazy, the um, Colin Kaepernick uh, campaign. You know, that was just such, I feel like I've talked about it so much over the past year, um, and I feel like everybody has. It's just been such a buzzy one and really, um, I think, smart advertising and, you know, got people talking, but um, yeah, was like intelligent and really you know, sent a message. And, um, you know, I just think that that was one that I, I can't imagine, you know, it not getting some attention um, at Can, just considering how much attention it's gotten throughout the year. You know, the, the thing that cracks me up about the, the that ad, and I've asked global creatives about this. So, so Dream Crazy has won every other award leading up to Can. Uh, it won a black pencil, a DNAD, which is kind of the, the other huge award you can win in advertising. It won a uh, Everything at the one show, uh, Wyden and Kennedy was named uh, Agency of the Year there. So it's going into this as the number one seed, right? Like it is, it is definitely the thing to win. But what what cracks me up about it is that it is in America. Yeah, it totally makes sense, right? Like Colin Kaepernick. The second we saw it, it's like, oh yeah, kneeling during the anthem and political protest and police violence against Black Americans. All of that felt so resonant with us. But then I'm thinking about global audiences. Like if we saw a, an ad tomorrow with a controversial rugby player you know, from like mm-hmm. South Africa, <laughs> would we all say, oh man, that's so great. Or would we just be like, oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about rugby. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like football's only played in America, American football. Uh, I mean, Chris, does that make sense? Like you see what I'm saying? It's just that it's interesting that a campaign that's so specifically American has become such a global powerhouse. It does. And I think it, it says more about politics than it does about football, mm-hmm. especially when you had uh, President Trump reacting the way he did immediately after it and then seeing what Nike did sales after the ad mm-hmm. campaign started. Um, so I think – and because it's a Nike is a huge global brand, there's that as well. So yeah, I think it, it really does go beyond sports and it touches on so much of how we live our lives daily as we read different news headlines. And, and so I think maybe that's where the impact really ends up. Yeah. I do also think there's the point of when something does happen in, in America and I don't want to sound like a – you know, an American, an American or a nationalist or anything, but it it can have, you know, America's just such a big country. It can have, you know, a real impact on, you know, the rest of the world. And I do think people um, a lot of times do pay attention to, to what goes on here. Um, Obviously not always. And I think it's important for Americans to pay attention to what goes on in other countries. But um, I do think, you know, like you brought up the South Africa example, I think, I think, I do think just a lot of times the world pays more attention to what happens in the U.S. than maybe what happens in like a South America or South Africa, um, for better or for worse. Yeah, I feel like the thing the thing that kind of struck out to me is I've now had multiple jurors uh, who awarded uh, Nike Dream Crazy uh, starring Colin Kaepernick, you know, gave it the top honors at these award shows. I've had multiple ask me how to pronounce Kaepernick. (laughs) <laughs> like after they've already given it, you know, they gave it the top honor and that, but that's cool. I'm not making fun of them. I'm saying like that to them, who he is, is kind of secondary mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. what, to what he represents. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, it's been fascinating. I don't want to sound at all like I'm saying anything negative about the campaign. Uh, it's really just to me, one of those where uh, like Diana was saying, I try to take 
my Americanness with a grain of salt, especially when I go over there, is like we are one country of hundreds that are represented at this festival. And um, and so it's like I, I just try not to go into things expecting that people know all these touch points of, of American culture, but you know, they, they do. And, and it's an interesting thing too, not to get on a tangent, but like can, can like every international festival that I've been to uh, with a few exceptions in Latin America, they can's entirely done in English. It's in the South of France. It's a global audience. The, every single session has to be in English. All materials have to be in English. Uh, every discussion's in English and like every press conference is in English. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. And sometimes almost kind of, unnerving in the sense of like you look around the room and there's only five native English speakers in a room of, of a hundred people. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. Is this right? Is it? It's like that, that just, that feels, I don't know. It's yeah. It, it's maybe it's part of a, part of a bygone era or, or like a changing era, maybe 15 years from now. You know, I, I did see Accenture is putting out, they did a thing called a, the digital doggy bag uh, mm-hmm. this year for can, which is like, if you basically just, don't make it to sessions or maybe just, I don't know, get fall down drunk all week. Uh, at the <laughs> end of the week, uh, Accenture is going to send you home with a, um, with a, uh, Accenture Interactive is going to send you home with a thing called the digital doggy bag where they have writers, editors, photographers, people just like us on the ground, uh, reporting on all these sessions and sending you a, sending every attendee of can a, like, here's what, here's what happened. Here were the discussions. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, but they're they're releasing it in two languages, uh, English and Mandarin. Yeah, that, isn't that interesting? I hmm. thought that was like hmm. yeah, to my point. Like fifteen years from now, uh, maybe things will be a little different. So uh, let's go back to talking uh, campaigns. Kamiko, what's going to win? So I mean, like obviously <laughs> Nike, but um, I feel like there was so so much good stuff that was offered. Um, you know, being uh, having a journalist background, I was really, really excited to see the New York Times spot um, that was out, um, which is incredibly good work. Um, a, a big theme that happens in journalism pretty consistently is that we don't brag on ourselves. So the the Truth is Worth It campaign, I think that was in partnership with uh, Droga5. Very, very excited about that one, and I hope it pulls out. And that that's probably, like, super selfish of me, but um, very excited to see that. And then, obviously, being a fast food fanatic, um, the one with the, uh, Burger King, the Whopper Detour, we actually had um, – Fernando write about it uh, for our voice section, and it went bananas. So if that does not pull in, I'm not sure. If that doesn't do it, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah. Fernando Machado, uh, global CMO of um, uh, of Burger King, wrote that it was their most it, – A, it's his favorite campaign uh, that he's ever done, which is saying something with Burger King these days, uh, but also that it moved the needle in ways that no campaign they've ever done. Uh, just to remind everyone, this is the one where – uh, you could unlock a one cent Whopper coupon, but you had to go to a McDonald's to do it. <laughs> just like, just the the biggest trolling. But what it really was was a play to get people to download their app, and all this only worked through the app. But to do that, they had to geofence, you know, like seventeen thousand locations or whatever it was. I mean, they had to do a ton of work on the back end. It took over a year to build this thing. Uh, definitely recommend if you have not read it, uh, Fernando's uh, in depth uh, piece on Adweek.com about how it came together is fascinating. And uh, and he's really, I mean, they're going. Burger King's got a lot of stuff uh, in this year's can. They will win uh, with a lot of stuff. But uh, that's going to be the big one. And it's my pick for Titanium. I think it's going to win the Titanium Grand Prix. Uh, and just do, because Do you it's... think, David, is it because they merged their 
well, they kept their love of, of tweaking McDonald's at every turn with technology? Or what do, what do you think sets it apart? I, I think the fact that it, um, it, it has this, if you picture like three or four overlapping, you know, Venn diagram circles, it, it checks a lot of those boxes of the kickoff ad was good. Uh, where they kind of introduced the concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, you know, just the engagement of how the marketing initiative here was not to get people to buy Whoppers, although Fernando says they the sales went up quite a bit. Um, but it was to get people to download the app, which is something that many marketers are struggling with, right? Like, how many branded apps do you have on your phone? You know, probably not many. And so there's there it's something where Burger King globally and each country, I think, uh, or at least each region has a different app. So this is a real struggle for them. And so they wanted to do that. They wanted to drive sales. They wanted to drive awareness. Like they were trying to accomplish a lot of different stuff at once. Uh, but they did it in a way that, to your point, Chris, does merge emerging technology of geofencing and, and getting apps to unlock this stuff. But really in a way that just was also kind of a, a, you know, a needle in the, in the, you know, in the leg of McDonald's Mm. um, and just was fun and just kind of was like people, people went nuts. You know, people made videos on it, got tons of press coverage, which a lot of these big ad campaigns do. But you compare it to something like, uh, you know, like with Kamiko was talking about. With the New York Times, Truth is Worth It campaign uh, from Droga 5, very powerful, very sincere. As a journalist, I love it. Um, but, you know, it's just – it's an ad that you watch and you think, yeah, I should really subscribe to the New York Times. Uh, and and that's kind of it. And you maybe appreciate press freedom more and, and an independent press more. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying that, like, uh, Whopper Detour, it does the thing that these titanium campaigns always try to do, which is, like, we had a challenge that no one has really had to face before, and we did it in a way that no one has thought of before. Uh, and he said, Fernando says it changes their entire outlook on marketing. Like, the the way that they approach – he said from now on, every campaign they do has to have these kinds of results planned into it. Like, wh- how are we going to measure success that beyond just, like, I don't know, a lot of people, like, watch the ad – and hopefully mm-hmm. they bought Whoppers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kamiko, any others that uh, you're a big fan of or that you'd like to see or that you expect to see, whether you like them or not? Those are my probably top two. But I also, um, being a fan of books, um, the New York Public Library did a really, really good one. I remember we actually have a stand-up meeting that happens every day. And I just before it started, me and our reporter, Marty, are looking through our Instagram feed and being like, what is, what, what is this? Um, I've, you know, I've never seen a brand really um, do something something so incredible. I think uh, this was the activation where they brought these books to life, um, Instagram stories. And typically you don't think of a library of being fun. Um, but they managed to do a really, really good job with that. And they did that with Mother New York. Um, so really, really hoping for them to, to pull out a win as well. It's one that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, Chris and I just took a field trip over to the New York Public Library, mm-hmm. a very long walk from our office of at least <laughs> yeah. two blocks. At least yeah. three blocks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> took longer to like find the right room in the it's library exactly. than to actually get there. Um, but uh, Chris, yeah, what did you think of you know this one I'd written about and talked to the agency a bit about, of, of as Kamiko says, bringing famous pieces of literature, or in some cases, you know, less famous pieces of literature, to life uh, solely through Instagram. These are the entire books. The entire book is on Instagram, which is yeah. as an Instagram story. Uh, I just is... loved when you so so David interviewed um, uh, the two people, one from the library who runs their digital, and um, the co-founder of Mother New York, who worked. Well, David, you know how long did they work on this project to get several of these novels into Instagram form? 
It was, yeah, they said it was it was many months uh, many, to find the right animators and get it all figured out. Yeah, and really visual. But I just love when we did the video interview with him, which is going to end up on Adweek.com. Well, it, again, if you're listening to this podcast, it's already on Adweek.com. <laughs> already so live. check it out. It's uh, it's it's a great interview, and they're super enthusiastic about really bringing books to life. And as the gentleman um, Reichert from the public library told us. This is just getting people interested in reading again. And if it takes Instagram to do that, then then we'll do that. And so they have at least three books that are mm-hmm. there now. And it's only going to grow. And to be honored on you know the can stage would just – it seems like it would take it to a whole other level and really give them the recognition that uh, the agency deserves as well as the library and reading in general. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. reading in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This makes me sad. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> But, you know, for for them to pull off something like that, you know, just from a social media editor's standpoint, like, it's tough to put something, um, you know, that maybe doesn't lend itself necessarily to an Instagram story. But the way that they were able to do that is really, really um, awe-inducing. And, you know, let's listen to a little soundbite of this, because what I love about the interview is is I learned it, it was our first opportunity to really ask the people behind this campaign, what did you expect it to do? Because the results have been huge. They have like 150,000 new followers on Instagram, which for a library is pretty awesome. Um, and 300,000 reads on these books. And we're talking entire books on Instagram stories like think about how you feel when you open up someone's story like a friend of yours who's traveling and you see like the da 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 because they post like you know I'm always just like swipe but you know they pulled off entire pieces of literature in there let's listen to a little of the background of that people love in general sort of when the the library the New York Public Library at that sort of does something surprising and and dare I say hip and digital focused. Um, we do those things all the time, but it's still, you know, we've been around a long time and we have a reputation. So when we sort of subvert expectations, I think it really delights people. So yeah, it, that is one of the smaller campaigns. I'd say like they're nominated for Titanium, which is huge. There's only 20, 20 campaigns in the world nominated for Titanium. Uh, and that's one of them. I, I don't necessarily think it'll win Titanium, but I do think uh, it'll take home quite a bit of, uh, of awards in other categories just because it's fun and it really plays to the limitations rather than the potential uh, or, you know, rather than like the features, they even talked about this. They said like, eh, you know, new features are cool, but we really wanted to play with the limitations and the fact that Instagram's a dumb place to put an entire book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, what do you think is going to win or what do you hope to see win? Well, I really like the boldness of Skittles uh, for the second year in a row, being in the Super Bowl, but doing something so completely different. And we talked at the beginning of the conversation about sometimes titanium awards aren't really, they're about projects or campaigns, but you don't know that it's an advertisement. I think the whole meta nature of the Skittles, the musical with Michael C. Hall kind of speaks to that. Um, interesting way to do it, to run a, to, to produce a musical on the day of the Super Bowl um, to get people interested in buying a, a candy. Um, certainly different, really creative and um, funny. And, and yeah, I, I hope it wins something uh, just, for, just for its boldness. I think uh, one that I'll throw out that um, has been a big winner recently, we've covered most of the really big winners on the award scene uh, lately. It's been uh, Dream Crazy from Nike and Wyden and Kennedy Portland, uh, and also the New York Times Truth is Worth It campaign from Droga5. Those have pretty much been winning everything. They will continue to win everything it can, I feel pretty certain, unless the judges decide to throw a curveball. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like if they're just tired of seeing the same stuff win every time, I will say typically that's not what happens. Um, that if, if something has, a lot of these are the same juries too. I should be clear about it. I mean, not the same juries, but the same people. Like the, the people who judge it can, they're also judging one show. They're also judging DNAD. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they all kind of have a bit of a, I would say the downside is that they have a bit of a group think sometimes. They're all like, this is really good. And I'm going to continue saying it's really good. Uh, there tends to be, and we have an article coming out about this in the next few days, about how that doesn't always align with consumer uh, perceptions, which no surprise there. But like, I remember one year when the Grand Prix in film uh, went to, in film, in film, went to, uh, sorry, I spent it on myself by Harvey Nichols uh, and, and Adam and Eve DDB. It's a fine, it's a great campaign, but the film was fine. You know, it was all right. But I even pointed out to the jury, like of all the videos that were nominated, all of them that got silvers, golds, anything, this one has the fewest views on YouTube. You know, like no one cared about this ad <laughs> except, mm-hmm. except advertising people. And they, of course, got a bit affronted. And uh, the jury president said, uh, it's not a popularity contest. And I was like, well, I mean, it's advertising. <laughs> like, like, I, mean, I mean, this isn't, you know, a chess championship. <laughs> it's, it's like we're, we're, there is a bit of mass appeal that I think should kind of be somewhat implied in, uh, in what, what wins and what doesn't. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see if they throw some curveballs. I, I, I'll be really curious to see what those are because I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you right now. It's like, oh, here's this sleeping uh, piece. I think there's certain ads that ad people love that have come out in the last year, like, and which I love too. Amazon Prime Streaming UK uh, did a series called Great Shows Stay With You from Droga 5 London. I love uh, that. They're so good. It was, it was really <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, it was. And it was one of the few, I think, international entries as you talked about this is a very u.s um sort of top 20 list that we've got on our site but it was very creative yeah and it's just showing how different shows affect people that they've been streaming or binging you know uh, whether it's vikings or lucifer or uh oh, or the others that that jack ryan show and it's just it's clever it's funny it's over the top in a really good way um but i was honestly glad to see that it was doing so well on the award circuit uh because it's just it's kind of a simple ad in a way it's kind of just it's not it's not trying to change the world it's not attack, tackling any big causes it's just just a fun ad uh, but that said, you know, the theme of my favorite one, the Vikings one, uh, it's a woman who feels like she is continually elbowed aside at work and in life and that dudes are just constantly like not, you know, being rude and, and she needs to exert herself more. And then she watches Vikings <laughs> and becomes... <laughs> and starts... Until episode eight when she, when she takes over. Like, yeah, like starts, takes over you know, office. just terrifying her mm-hmm. office and i let you know i had lunch recently with david kolbush the creative chief of droga london i told him like how i loved watching women re- react to that of just being like yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go grab a tray <laughs> and start slamming it around and uh, so it's i think i think that's a, a real fun one that i hope does uh, pretty well there's a really uh, cute uh, I mean, not to sound dim- dismissive, cute, but there's a, a, a campaign from Paris uh, called Souvenir de Paris uh, for the Centre Pompidou, the Pompidou Centre uh, C- Contemporary Art uh, Museum, which uh, the irony here is that it, it's the campaign kind of implies that the Pompidou doesn't get enough uh, enough attention. I've The last time I went to France, I couldn't even get into the Pompidou Centre because uh, the line was so long. Like it was like a three hour wait or something ridiculous. I was like, no, I'll be all right. But basically their argument is the Pompidou Center doesn't get enough attention compared to these iconic 
uh, landmarks, the Eiffel Tower, Notre Dame. Uh, and so they created little keychain versions of the Pompidou Center <laughs> and like and then just gave them away to tourist shops and set up little their own little stands on the street to sell these things not even stands like blankets on the ground you know like the little kind of unofficial street sellers um, let, let's listen to a little bit of that case study because I love it. it's basically trying to convince tourists like what do you mean you haven't heard of the Pompidou Center <laughs> they, they do a good job of just kind of like putting it saying oh we're right alongside yeah it's like Eiffel Tower Notre Dame and uh, Centre Pompidou uh, let's listen to a little bit of that one Pompidou I got your Pompidou we call it the Big Five. You have Sacré-Cœur, you have Notre-Dame, Arc de Triomphe, Tour Eiffel, and Centre Pompidou. Well, you have to go to the Pompidou. What's that? This is the normal escalator staircase. Mobile staircase. Pompidou! Pompidou. You get to Pompidou! Inside you'll find all the best works of modern art that you could possibly come across. Delaunay, Miro, Klein. Chagall, yes. Kandinsky. The Black Bow, a conflict between spirit and matter. You need to go see it for yourself. Hey, it's on the list. I, I love that one just because the, the video is nice. The case study is fun, but it's just this idea of like we just it's an ad campaign where we created a bunch of trinkets, basically, for something that normally wouldn't have trinkets made of it and then just gave them out. And that's from an agency called Marcel Paris. Uh, there, there is an ad that I really, I really hope wins. Uh, it is for Nissan Ramen. Have you guys watched it? The Akuma no Kimura uh, spicy chicken ramen ad? No, I haven't seen that one yet. I feel like I feel like we should pause this podcast yeah. and it should make all of you watch it. No, it is. Uh, you can watch it right after. I encourage everyone. Uh, it is the brand is called Nissin, uh, N-I-S-S-I-N. Uh, they are, I think, the oldest ramen brand in Japan, uh, which is saying something. And their advertising is very cute, very wholesome, uh, very traditional. It's got this little chick, like baby chicken. Um, which is weird because it's promoting chicken flavored ramen, but maybe don't think about that too much. Um, and so they they just decided with this new spicy chicken ramen that they were going to turn their marketing 180 degrees. And I think they even to to unveil it, they even had their Twitter account kind of get a little frayed at the edges, like like he was posting all this wholesome sweet stuff, and then kind of becoming a bit unhinged until finally it was like, wait, why? I'm a chicken. Why am I being asked to promote eating chicken? This is weird and gross and I'm tired of this. And then they dropped the, this ad and it is just the most metal, incredible. It's this adorable chick with a bowl of noodles. And then it goes to like a satanic ceremony and holds up the bowl and... <laughs> And then, like, summons this demon that's just, I can't even do it justice. Uh, if, you, if you go to adweek.com, check it out on our, it is the headline art. If you look at the top of our uh, 20 campaigns that will win at Cannes, uh, it's, man, it's just something else. Uh, and I I love it. I love it so much. This is one of those where, again, did it change the world? No. But, it, but it's a great example of a marketer just kind of turning everything on its head and being like, we're going to go full satanic heavy metal chicken. Uh, and everyone loved it. It blew up all over the world. Uh, so I was glad to see that. Any other uh, any other campaigns you guys mentioned or just things that, or even just type of work, I don't know, that you would like to see win, um, uh, you know, anything that uh, you'll, you'll be rooting for? Um, I really loved the John Lewis Christmas ad from last oh, God, year yes. with El- about Elton John. It, like, made me cry. I thought it was so cute and also very, like, timely considering, um, you know, obviously Rocketman was coming out a few months later and um, Elton John is in the midst of his farewell tour and uh, just so sweet. And really well done. I love that one. So I would love to see it um, get some love. Mm-hmm. Sorry. 
I remember uh, people complained after it came out. They were like, uh, but John Lewis doesn't sell pianos. And they actually, to their credit, started putting pianos on their website. Like when the ad launched, they were like, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I was like, well, that's a bit of a reach, but I'm okay with it. Uh, I do think that that's a top contender to win Grand Prix in film. I think, uh, not, that it, not that any of you asked, but here's my, my hunch on kind of top winners. I, I don't necessarily support this, but I do think that the New York Times work from Droga might win a Grand Prix in film. Um, you know, it's definitely up there with uh, The Boy and the Piano uh, that we are just talking about with John Lewis. I think in film craft, uh, we're going to see one that we've talked about. We've had an entire bonus episode of the podcast about, uh, which is Viva La Vulva. Uh, the ad from AMV BBDO is the agency. The brand is, well, the parent company is called Essity, and they make a bunch of different uh, women's products around the world under different names like Body Form and Labress. And uh, Viva La Volvo, we've talked about quite a bit on here, so I won't you know, rehash it. You can go back and check our bonus episode uh, where we talk to the brand manager and the agency. Uh, it's an incredible piece of art. I think it will win Grand Prix in film craft. Um, and uh, just because it is. It is a stellar piece of craft. It's also from the director, Kim Garrig, who I think we talked about last week. She was on the Creative 100. Kim Garrig just having such a year. She did the Gillette ad uh, that everyone was talking about. She did uh, Viva La Vulva. She did um, the Dream Crazier, which was the Nike follow-up with Serena Williams. So I would love to see her win a real top honor because Kim Garrig just on fire uh, this year. So that'd be great. Well, we would love to hear what you think about Can, uh, and uh, you know if you have any predictions, we'll be posting this around Monday. So there's plenty of festival ahead. Uh, you can drop us a note at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. Kamiko, where should they be following you for? Well, not you, the royal you on uh, <laughs> for for social media uh, as we post updates throughout the week. So we are going to be going hard on the gram. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at Adweek. Um, then obviously Adweek has um, some events that we'll be covering, doing some some talks. Um, so follow us on Twitter as well. And that's also at Adweek. Um, so those are our biggest ones. Um, we also have some work coming with LinkedIn. Um, I don't want to spill the beans there, but please be on the lookout for that as well. So make sure that you're keeping up with us across platforms, really. But we'll be big, big, big on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So, yep, yep, yep. As Chris mentioned, video just, man, what what a fire hose of video we're going to have coming out of this. Are you Are you like mentally and physically prepared for all this, Chris? Neither. I neither mentally nor physically. Um, I, I got to get in a run tomorrow, I think, before. Uh, no, we're going to be hitting the beaches hard. Instagram, 8 a.m. Monday, Pinterest, Google, Spotify. Um, we'll be hitting them all, as well as the yachts and uh, and all of our events that Kamiko mentioned uh, at the JW Marriott, where we have our Terrace Talks and our Creative 100 event, um, which, David, yeah. uh, we've got our own celebrities appearing at that event. So it's yeah. going to be a jam-packed week. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you all so much for making time for me right before we all head out overseas. I will see each of you uh, on the other side of the ocean and definitely encourage everybody to keep an eye on our coverage. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And send us your questions at uh, podcast at adweek.com. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this, week's, this week's episode was produced by Chris Aarons. Chris, you're on here, so I can say thanks, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Uh, episode was edited by Lane McGivney with production assistance by Josh Rios. Uh, I'm David Greiner uh, with Adweek, and we will be back very soon. We're going to have bonus episodes. We're going to have all sorts of stuff, so stay tuned. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? 
Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.